0: Hi everyone and welcome to the Smell Podcast. I'm your host Katie Boating. This month we get to celebrate Anosmia Awareness Day coming up on February 27th and with that in mind I'm highlighting people like you and me who suffer with olfactory disorders. Joel Robinson is an Australian mead maker who has a very interesting story. He suffered with anosmia and currently struggles with parosmia. Let's jump right into the interview and listen to his story. Here we go hi katie hi welcome to the smell podcast how are you
1: good good thanks for um thanks for the opportunity and thanks for creating a platform that um, gives people like me an opportunity to tell their story and and allow people to to understand what what happens with something like this so uh happy to have a chat today
0: yeah, yep. me too. So Joel, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where are you from and where did you grow up?
1: Yep. So I'm, um, I'm Australian and I grew up in a little place called Victoria. I'm 40, 42 years old now. I have um, a partner, Nerida, and three little kids, Hunter Harper and, and Banjo. We live in a place called Wollongong now, which is just south of Sydney on the east coast uh, of Australia.
0: Hunter Harper and Banjo.
1: Hunter Harper and Banjo, yeah. They're, Those they're, are great um, names. They're um they're pretty close together in tight succession. We've got five, three, and one year old. So um, thanks. Yeah, they're pretty. Yeah. They're...
0: That's awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about your own smell disorder story?
1: Yep, certainly can. I up until last two, two years ago had normal uh, olfactory function. There was there was. You know, no, no, no difficulty there. Smelling things and smelling the roses. But a couple of years ago, I we had a few life life events. Nerida and I we had a lot of things take place at once, and it probably put a bit too much stress on us than should have. And as a result of that, I ended up uh, having an accident in our in our new home, um, having a fall, and suffered an occipital strike to the head. So. A, I passed out, was unconscious for about six or seven minutes, in hospital, neurosurgical ward, all those sorts of things, undergoing observations. But the olfactory dysfunction didn't start until after. You know, I, I was dealing with all those sorts of things first. So I didn't realise that um, things didn't start to smell very nice until a couple of months, probably, after being in hospital. And mm-hmm. that was a pretty pretty hard hard time for us in general we just had a little baby boy we just had literally just had banjo so you know it was quite traumatic for me but at the same time I don't remember a great deal of of the events that occurred whereas my partner at the time who was 39 40 weeks pregnant found me in the bathroom two o'clock in the morning unconscious had to call an ambulance and then you know a couple of weeks after discharging we're back in there having Nerita's having her baby, but yeah, it's been pretty that, hard for us. That is
0: father. a lot of a lot of life events all at once. You're right.
1: <laughs> yeah, we. My father just passed away on the other side of the country. It was very, very unexpected. We, yeah, we just had a lot of things hit us at once, and um, you know, I think that's what sort of happens. Have
0: things settled down since then a
1: little bit? Well, no, <laughs> now we. Now we deal with porosmia, and now we deal with having having a condition that people can't see, that people re- really struggle to understand, and at the same time, you don't understand it yourself. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: It's really hard for for since then. But I mean, we haven't had any more kids, if that's what you mean, Katie. We're, we're sticking. To-
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> I oh. just meant like if other if it's been going better. Parosmia is so awful. I'm so happy to be able to speak with you and other people about it. I haven't had that experience myself, so I'm very grateful for that. But when you first had your accident, were you able to smell at all, or was it kind of vague because you were in the hospital?
1: Uh, After the accident, and we, I I was an OSMIC after the accident accident. And that was the start of sort of my journey. the chemo senses but yeah probably a couple of weeks out of hospital I realised that I couldn't smell anything and I said to my partner you know this is really quite trivial not being able to smell or or get the flavour from food and you know we just put that down to the to the to the head injury to the Mm -hmm. brain injury and thought that that would come back so we, we did our own testing at home. We did some blind testing. We just wanted to find out how, well, not damaging, but how much effect the anosmia had had on me. So I, um, Nerida and I did a whole lot of base liquid trials, or not base liquid, but just liquid trials. So we had uh, everything from, from milk and water to, to vinegar, uh, all of, anything you can imagine in your kitchen. And um, I couldn't taste or I couldn't identify any of the 12 or so liquids. And that's when we're like, wow, this is crazy. How can you not, how can I be blind? How can I be blind in my nose? And,
0: right.
1: you know, I understand, Katie, that's what you have, and that's what a lot of other people have.
0: I'm curious about your story as well, because I know that you had an injury and you became anosmic, and then you've ended up with parosmia, Did that all happen as you were starting your new business or was it before?
1: Yeah, we we haven't even got into the business side of things, but this is a really interesting component. And, I mean, so I spent 20 years as a skipper working out at sea. When I had the three kids on there and I had three kids, I wanted to move away from that and be home a lot more and, and be a father. Now that was my real job, and my new job. But we set up a business where we made alcohol We boutique uh, limited releases, small batches of wine here in Australia and to have porosmia where, where you rely on your chemo senses so intuitively was, was a really hard hard time. So our business actually stopped running there for a little while. Hunter and the harp it's named after our, our two kids and that started. Before Parosmi I was in I was over at your neck of the woods in 2015 and studied over there and worked with some some wineries in America and then came back and it took a couple of years before we were you know at that point of production and basically within I don't know about six months of us starting up, I had uh, the accident and then that's um, yeah put a pretty big hold on running a business, if you can imagine. I mean, um, yeah, porosmia is so debilitating. It's so invasive. Everything that's it's has a smell, has an odour, mm-hmm. quite irritable. And when you are, you know, relying on, I mean, making wine, it's all about the aroma, isn't it? It's all about the bouquet. It's all about the flavour. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, hard.
0: That's just another added layer to why this was so impactful on your life I can't imagine starting a new business based off of aroma and flavors and then having the accident right away
1: yeah it's pretty unlucky but there's a there's a whole lot of other people out there that are also dealing with some really unsettling things so it's just something that happened and maybe now using and and when we get onto smell training and things it's something that I use and it took me a long time Took me a very long time before I was comfortable to get back in there and, and be confident. And I'm still slightly not confident because smells, aromas don't smell like what they used to. So there's still a lot of relearning that takes place. But just just actively knowing how important it is on our brain, neuroplasticity and these mind maps to keep just to keep smelling and, and, and it's hard and even, you know, you you know as a smell trainer listen to a lot of your podcasts so far, but Yeah so important. It's so important to, to not have a re- regressive mind map for our smell function. Um, right. And so that's where I can use my industry a little bit to sort of help me retrain my brain. Part. it's a slow process. It's It's hard. It's confusing. I don't always know what I'm smelling and I still need to get a lot of support from that side of things. But we have a professor here in Australia called Professor David Lang who is our equivalent of, you know, Professor Leopold or Professor Hummel, is, is mm-hmm. Australia's actually guru, and he, he, when he, when we talk, he explains that it's so important that when we smell things, we don't just smell it, we visualise it, we see it, we feel it, we hold it, you know, and all this together is what's going to ignite that part of our brain and, if, if possible, give it the best chance of repair to, to some sort of, normal level again of, of olfactory function
0: so are you doing smell training on a daily basis now like um I, I know obviously you're probably smelling things to see if you can tell what they are but with the four different smells like the rose and clove eucalyptus and lemon
1: i was i, I don't do it so much as much as i should i um i progressed onto a lot more smells and this is you know i'm, a, I'm two years in now so this is probably about nine months into it i you know, I opened up my smell vocabulary and um, added a lot more of the essential oils. I then took another route, and so, we, you know, hops hops, or, or product ingredients that you use, hops in beer, hops in mead, hops in wine, they all smell differently, so I'll smell train with those. Yeah. So I don't think, and I could be wrong, but I don't think the four that we use now, are, you know, for any specific reason. I think as long as we are right,
0: it's yeah,
1: yeah. As long as we're trying and activating and things, those four are good. I think. I mean, I I read a little paper a little while ago from Professor Thomas Hummel, and he did research on fifteen hundred or so people that were affected, and gave them twenty smells. And out of the twenty smells, the one smell that everyone could smell was like a, a citrus smell. So I found mm. that interesting. So there's a reason I think why some of those smells are used, but. We just need to make sure that we're always trying, we're always visualizing, we always see that that item. I mean, our vocabulary for smells are very closed. We don't have a great ability to to
0: describe smells. Yeah, it's hard to describe how something smells to someone else. If you ask someone to describe what an orange smells like or a lemon, they'll just say usually like citrus. But how do you describe citrus?
1: (laughs) Well, smells, they're they're a chemical compound. They're made up of so many different elements. It's not just one part, is it? I mean, just wish that we could be able to explain it better. I mean, smell, procreates, bacteria have the ability to smell. It's the only sense that bacteria have. They need it to survive. If, If something smells good, that's directly hardwired to their sort of propulsion system. They'll head towards it. If something doesn't smell good, they'll head away from it. Plants. Plants can wow. smell, they smell, if plants smell an insect that's known to sort of decimate them and they can smell it, they'll, they'll actually release chemicals to ward off an attack. I mean, smell is so important to our sense of survival mm-hmm. that it is so interesting, that's all I can say, interesting or really scary, that we yeah. don't understand it as well as we, we should.
0: Yeah, I think progress is definitely being made, but there's a lot that we don't know.
1: Yeah, it's really been, it's really been really good. I mean, the Manel Society over there and Fifth Sense and people like that are, have been great.
0: Yeah. So for you, what is it like living with an invisible disability? Because people can't see that you're unable to smell. So how does that impact? How does that impact you?
1: Yeah. You. you you're going to probably hear, I listened to Don's story a couple of weeks ago. This this won't change for most people, I don't imagine. It's going to be pretty. It's going to be pretty upsetting if you've got parosmia. Let's let's be honest. You're going to be fairly isolated, and you're probably going to be internally dealing with a lot of stress and and unsure of what's happening. But you, I'll, I'll give you an example. But I'll tell you what seems to be a common thing with people with prosmia and this is quite hard. You know, right, mentally you know that you need to eat. We need to eat. If we don't eat, we're not going to be around for much longer. But when someone puts something in front of you and you know, because I've had 40 years of living, that, that steak or that meal doesn't smell the way I'm smelling it. It's okay to eat. It's fine. It's not going to kill me. But you try and eat something that actually smells like you shouldn't eat it, now i think that's where people might start to understand how hard prosmere is right it's, you know i mean our sense of smell is there for a reason it's to go right smell that it smells off or well, that's a fire get out don't stay around so our, our brain's telling us because that's what prosmere is i think it's it's just doesn't know how to categorize what it's receiving from an from an odorant or an irritant so instead it just puts it all into that you need to stay alive Joel or you need to stay alive person with prosmia so we're just going to say just be on your guard So yeah. to try and well,
0: it has to be so frustrating because your instinct is to not eat it.
1: You, you don't eat if people with prosmia don't eat I didn't eat I lost 20 kilos you hear oh, it's so good you can lose weight or whatever but um, it's not just food and this is the thing, it's not just food. So I didn't shower and it's it's. it feels embarrassing to say these things, but, you know, you hop into the shower. So I know yourself, you probably don't get to enjoy all those lovely shower smells that are there and I'm, I'm not being sarcastic, you know, like soaps have all these lovely names now.
0: But right. if you, yeah.
1: those smells don't smell like that. They smell horrible. So, Having a shower is not something that's you want to be involved in. For us, my clothes had to be washed separately because the smell of the clothes wash, you know, the fragrance of the clothes wash, ocean breeze or whatever lovely name they want to call it, porosmia, right? Anytime there's a smell, someone's going to receive that smell negatively, so... It's everywhere. It's really hard for someone with to not be isolated, to not have social issues, to not start to think am I losing my mind here? Because yeah, you kind of feel like you will for a while.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. That's awful. It's everywhere. Like um, you mentioned, you listened to Don's episode. Yeah. Um, He had mentioned that I mean, he can get away from stuff, but If you do that, then you're going to be isolated all the time. So it's just hard.
1: So I'm two years into this now, and yeah, you, yeah, I've worked WH and S working out at sea, but we end up putting my family and Nerida and I—we just put in barriers. That's all we've done. We've just isolated the. We've isolated our interaction a lot. So you think you think you might be getting better because you don't have those. Pervasive smells all the time, but really you're just you're just pulling away from things, and so you think you get better, and then you might venture out a little bit more than you have, and it just yeah, you'll comes crashing back down. So for me, that was yesterday. Two years into this, and um, yeah, I haven't struggled for a while, but yesterday was a was a tough day. Just to yeah. you just want an answer, you just want to know how long is this going to go on for you know that parosmia, because it is so isolating and it is an invisible condition that it's really, really difficult on people around you to understand as well.
0: So kind of speaking of that, being socially isolated from other people just because it's overwhelming and it's just everywhere and pervasive in your life, what do you want your friends and family to know about what it's like to have parosmia?
1: Oh, that, oh, far out. That's a hard one, Katie. I think I'd like people, maybe more people more in support, to understand some things that it's, that's a hard question, Katie. Yeah.
0: Just like be patient.
1: Yeah. You won't, you won't appreciate how much people have tried. You won't appreciate how much people are actually helping, uh, because you're you're pretty closed when it happens. And but yeah, you, know, you might get a window at some stage that you can look out, and it's really really helpful to know that people are still there for you, even if you haven't been the best respondent. You know, mm-hmm. and, and you do appreciate that. Um, I do appreciate all the support and all the help that they they do try. I mean they do they are trying. Um they might not understand that what you're going through but they they definitely do try and it does help. It's not easy. It's not easy dealing with prosmia and it's so rare but um you know just just understand that any time someone with a normal olfactory function smells a smell that someone with prosmia is going to get that smell as well but probably in a negative or unpleasant manner and just take that on board because we forget it's not, it's not something that we can see. It's not like someone that's, that's blind or who has a hearing aid that we make adjustments for. It really isn't a great deal of adjustment. Subconsciously, you have to really think about what you're doing uh, to help somebody.
0: And speaking of that, just speaking with you and with others who have parosmia, every, everything is negative. Like, all, not everything is negative, but every smell is negative or it has, like, a bad, a bad smell. It's not pleasant. So have you read any information on why that is?
1: Yeah, I, I have a whole lot of research papers downstairs. I've just popped upstairs. But um, uh, part of, for me, part of my rehabilitation, just inherently who I am, was needing to understand what was going on. And so I did a lot, a lot of, a lot of research. And what I think all we can put it down to at this stage is that, I think I, I referred to it before, but our, we need to survive. And our brain, without knowing or how to identify what these smells are, it will categorise smells in a negative so that our brain remains aware. So, you know, there's a molecule, there's aroma, it comes up into our navel cavity and, and we receive it, our receptors transfer it to our olfactory bulb, and then that's where we have an issue either peripherally or centrally with, with that part of our, our brain. But it just it doesn't know how to categorise. Another way of, of looking at it, which Chrissy from Smell Training talks about is like a keyboard, and you're missing some of the, the letters. And so when you type in the word banana and you've only got the letter N, you can't work out that's what, that, that's what that smell is, and so the brain doesn't know how to categorise it. But that's it at this stage. But what I can say is in a month or so, I'll be revisiting Professor Lang up here at uh, Sydney. We, we spoke the other day, and he has some interesting new findings that he's just getting vetted now through his colleagues. I don't know too much so I can't give too much away, but I'd be happy to come back some stage and fill you guys in. But he, Yeah, um, that'd be awesome. Finding a way that we can taste, or sorry, we can smell without using our olfactory sense as such. Don't hold me to that because obviously it's quite a confusing area, but we have our olfactory bulb, we have our peripheral senses, we have our tri- uh, trigeminal senses. He's he's looking at a way. So for 40, 50, 60 years, this guy's only studied chemo senses that there may be a way that we can retrain our brain, um, and that's what I'm about to find out pretty soon. Oh, that, hopefully.
0: that sounds fascinating. Yeah, I'd love to talk to you again after you go and find out what he's what he knows.
1: Yeah, we we, we spoke to the Australian of the Year last year, Professor Alan Mackay-Sim. Once all this this took place, because someone with prosomia will probably struggle to get any. I don't want to be too too critical at this stage but we will probably struggle to get a great deal of meaningful help from medical practitioners unless they are really really aware of the chemo senses they probably won't you know i mean i well hey joel at least you still can see that's what i got told mm. and that's uh, kind of like just somebody not really understanding something that's all but there's also a time where i wish i didn't have my legs and, and could smell instead right. so that you could have <laughs> some sort of visibility to, to your condition. I mean, um, there was a stage where I'd rather not be able to walk down the, the beach with my kids, but I'd rather be able to smell them. That's how yeah. that's important smell is for bonding, for our social interaction, for our memory recall. You know, our cognitive function, our behavioral function, smell is just so, it's, in, it's in, so important to that.
0: Yeah, definitely. I know I, I don't actually have any children right now, but my husband and I hope to in the future, and that just makes me sad to think that I won't know what they smell like.
1: Oh, it's making me sad now. It, when Banjo came out, <clears throat> uh, came out when, when Banjo was born, yeah, we, I didn't have that bonding opportunity, but that quickly turned into the opposite of a bonding opportunity. It turned into, you know, he didn't smell very nice. Right. And, uh, that's not, that's not fair on him. I mean, we, we bond in other ways now we, we, we're quite active. We're all good, but, um, i I smelt him once. I've smelt him once since he was born. And I remember it still to this day that it was just narrow, uh, Banjo and I at home and, um, for some reason, I'm not sure, but I just got this this smell of clean, like, you know, that sort of... Oh, well, sorry, you don't... You, you do know. You only lost your anosmia recently, but, you know, that sort of talcummel yeah. or something. Like, I just had this...
0: Baby powder.
1: Oh, my God. And it didn't last. And I've got goosebumps now. And when I, when I never came home, I was so excited. I told everyone about it. But, yeah, it's it smell. It's so important to bonding. And I... You, you'll find other ways, and you right. never know. We don't know. Maybe a, a paternal or a maternal instinct will kick in, and maybe there's a chemical that can help recharge, you know, something like this. Yeah. And...
0: I wonder <laughs> if any, any – I'll need to find out if any women who have anosmia uh, were able to smell during pregnancy. I don't know why they would be able to, but it just sounds like that would be cool. <laughs> That's
1: a good point. No, because, because – We've gone through it three times here, but a woman's sense of smell is heightened. Exactly. Pre- yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. So what causes that is that a chemical thing is it because your body's, you know, in, into superwoman mode and it's producing double the amount. This is really interesting, Katie. Maybe, Maybe what A good, you-
0: a good research get- study.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go get yourself pregnant. <laughs> and then <laughs> Come back to us, but we're going to have to be able to replicate it though you know so this is a problem you're not. You're going to have to get pregnant again Katie yeah.
0: <laughs> anything for science right <laughs> <laughs> so obviously there's a lot of negatives about having parosmia and there may not be any positives but has anything been positive about having parosmia
1: uh, everyone's going to say no they'll say no to this straight away I heard Don and I, yeah. I thought I'd answer this <laughs> how do you I mean, the only thing you can ever possibly do as a positive is is after you've had time to come to terms and habituate yourself. It takes it takes 12 plus months to lose sort of abandoned meaningful behaviour. So for 12 months, I'm still doing the things that I used to do before parosmia, but they were making me unwell or not happy or, or sick. So smell. I mean, if if we think about smell and think about something positive, I'll say that. We've been quite lucky. As you know, in our story now, chemo sensors, aroma is so important for for what we do for the business. But we got a lot of traction recently. We had a little local newspaper article written about us, which that sort of became a a local and then a national radio uh, segment. And then that got picked up um, by a television show. So we were on national TV a week or so ago. Here in Australia oh, good that got picked up again by another magazine so my, my condition prosmia being so weird no one's ever heard of it who's ever heard of this I hadn't heard of prosmia before the issue someone that needs their chemo sensors for their industry was quite an interesting story but I'm getting the something here is that when I initially had it there was I I, I had no information available to me Mm -hmm. but i'll say the night that the tv article the tv program was aired within a day or so i got emails i got facebook messages and one that's really sticks out to me is someone who lives it sounds like just over the hill five k's away from where i live his partner started to suffer something really horrendous this this guy comes on TV, starts talking about Prosmia. This is her. This is this is the answers to her questions that she wasn't aware of, that she had no idea about. So we're I'm talking now with the partner and trying to help him, because you know she she's really struggling. She's at those initial stages now of what's going on in my life, what's going on in my head. I don't think I'm going mad. Right. Though so as a way that you know a positive maybe that. By creating a light around this, we're trying to help other people come to terms and we're trying to help those carers and those people that are surrounding somebody because that's where I feel like I can help, is, is talk to them. Look, this is what your partner's going through. Yeah. This is try and make it a little bit easier because you can't talk to the person suffering from this right now. Right now, they are not in the right headspace. They're not open. They're closed. They're, um,
0: they're isolated
1: food smells you smell you can't even go and give them a hug you smell to them so if one sort of memorable or positive thing would be that yeah we are gain a lot of traction really quickly and it's put us on the spotlight a little bit and hopefully if that's any cause and effect then maybe we can <clears throat> i can just start to help others through this point in their life
0: yeah I think that's amazing. And part of the one of the main goals of the podcast is just to share stories amongst ourselves so we know that we're not alone.
1: It's yeah, that, that Facebook group, uh, Snow Training, and the Prosmia groups and your podcast. I mean, you just listen to people's comments, they, they've lost their excitement for life, they, they have no more happiness left in their life. You know, this is really debilitating for people. with with your own children smell like rotting flesh or you don't want to go outside. You're going to really struggle with work. You're going to really struggle with social interactions. It's it's something that two years ago I didn't even know what it was. I mean, sad. It's really sad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, don't be ashamed. If if people need it, though, I sought sought, uh, medical assistance. I, I was seeing someone who I could talk with for a long time, and they'd never dealt with someone with prosmia before, but they were a really big help. So I had a local Illawarra brain injury service that had a psychologist that I could speak to. Because yeah. how, do you, how do you explain that, you know, what you smell and things? It's, it's a really difficult process. So don't be afraid or ashamed to try and seek some sort of help or to seek some medication if you're going through this, because this is... That's the worst it gets. I feel like that. That initial stages where you don't know, where you're so confused, where everything is really, really intense. If you can get through that period, you can get through anything in life. You just got to know that you can get through that. Um, whereas I don't think some people can. And some people might really struggle at that point, and that's their decision. But for me, it was look. For me, it was touch and go. I didn't know how I was going to live with parosmia. There was no way I could live with this. Two years on, I'm still here, but it hasn't been easy. But if people know that, that there's a point where it will start to get easier, not better, maybe just get easier. That's really important.
0: Yeah. I've had osmia I think I think this year actually is going to be 10 years. And so I still struggle with that where therapy is very helpful to go and just talk to somebody about not being able to smell anything or just any, any type of problem. So I agree, and that's another goal of mine is just to be open. So I appreciate you sharing your own experience.
1: Yeah, but therapy's
0: therapy's great.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, that's okay. That's I was always quite, you know, um, I don't need to see somebody like that. Let's be honest, you know, a man, yeah. whatever. But um, you know, these guys and girls are trained to listen. And that—that's a big thing. That's a big thing. Most people, when we communicate, we—we so we, well, not most people, but we communicate to respond a lot of the time. Like we listen to what somebody else say. Oh, I'll say something back to that. Whereas, all these guys do are just listen. You know, they're not trying to offer any advice, or they let you—they help you sort of find your way through. And that—that's a really important pathway to take. So, yeah. Use somebody else. you somebody like myself or yourself who's, who's been through it. You know, I was reading a really good article the other day about someone who needed help and everyone was always offering help, but the only person that actually got in that in that hole with them was the person that had suffered it before and they're like, what are you doing, mate? How are you going to get out of the hole if you're in here with me? And he's like, I've been here before. I've been in this hole and I'm the only one who knows how to get out. And mate. I found it really, really powerful that... Um, touch base with somebody that, you know, you, you, respect or who's been through something like this before, because just knowing that you're not alone is, is really, really helpful.
0: Yeah. It's, it's when someone can offer just compassion and, and support versus trying to fix it. Um, yep. I think that that's, that's really key. So do you have anything else that you'd like to share with listeners?
1: I could be here all day, Katie. Do you know, right? If <laughs> you get old, you lose your sense of smell.
0: Yeah, everyone, as you age.
1: As you age. Everyone experiences this. We'll go into a nursing home or something at one stage and we'll be those old people. You probably already are that person. God, this food's got no smell. no, got no flavour, right? Right, it uh-huh. It does have flavour. So if, you're with, if you know you know, your parents are in a, in a home and they're saying this, guess what? They're not going mad. They're not. They're not being a cranky old person and so and so. They are literally their their body is. Their brain is starting to, you know, um,
0: not work as well.
1: Whitened down. I was going to say, yeah, the olfactory sense. They actually can't taste the food anymore. Look, like, do you know that our nose has airway uh, sensors, airflow sensors? So your brain knows when a smell's going in and when a smell's coming out. We. We can feel it. We go, oh, yeah, I'm breathing, I'm breathing out. But that's really important to our brain's understanding of flavor and taste. Is that a retro-nasal smell or is that smell from outside? Like, yeah, smell. It's it's not something I thought I'd become an expert on at one stage of my life, but um, I do find it quite interesting, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, definitely. So how can yeah. listeners get in touch with you online and on social media?
1: Yep. Uh, look, Joel, J-O-E-L Robinson, R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N, am on smell training and those sort of Porosmia, phantosmia groups. But, um, I mean, you can look it up, look us up, look up our business, Hunter and the Harp, if you wanted to reach out that way or see what we do. So the, the sort of style of alcohol that I make now, I think, are really reflective of my taste qu- qu- qualities. Uh, maybe if someone's prosmic or nosmic, it might be something that's good for them. But I'm not sure, but um, but I am open. I'm happy if someone wants to have a chat. If someone's got something I can learn from, or if someone needs some any assistance, then yeah, they can flick us an email or reach out on socials. That's fine.
0: Can people buy your mead online?
1: Yep, yep, you can. We we um, we're not set up for international distribution so that might be a, a problem over your way but if you're an Aussie and you, you know you're you're listening then definitely you can buy us online. Oh
0: good hopefully they will it looks like it's good <laughs> just from perusing the website I like meat so it looks Thanks, pretty man. good yeah, to me.
1: Not many people have heard of it but uh, we're trying to make it modern we're trying to reflect something that uh, hasn't been done yet in Australia but I'd just like to reiterate, though, how important I think something like this podcast is. There's nothing like this two years ago, and even now, I'm really enjoying listening to a lot of the professors that you're having coming on, a lot of the doctors listening to a lot of people's stories. So, you know, Katie, I understand that you do this for free. It's all volunteer. You're doing it because you might have a sense of self to do this now, and I thank you for that, and I congratulate you, and I'm very proud of you for, for starting this up.
0: Thank you so much. That's very nice of you. I do enjoy it. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to the Hunter and the Harp website and Facebook page, in addition to the Smell Training Group on Facebook in the episode description. I've also included a link to an article written about Joel's experience living with parosmia. So make sure to check it out. If you live in Australia, remember that you can get in on some of that meat action. So if you like mead or if you want to try it, go and visit their website. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. What topics would you like to see covered in the future? If you have a story that you'd like to share or if you would like to be interviewed for the show, please email me at thesmellpodcast.gmail.com. And you can also follow the podcast on Twitter at The The Smell Taste 2019 conference focusing on smell and taste disorders and patient interactions is going to take place this year in May in Gainesville, Florida. Check out their website online at www.smelltaste.org. Registration is open now. Please rate, review, and subscribe to The Smell Podcast. Reviews are helpful because they allow others to find the show. Finally, if you would like to financially support the podcast, you can do so by clicking on the link in the episode description. And I appreciate your support until next time. Have a really good day.